0: Just go to indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself, Mark Crossfield, Lou Stagner, Greg Chalmers with us. We're talking getting your game ready for the season. The sun has popped out here in the UK. I know Lou has had his first game of golf recently, I think from the winter season. Um, Greg just plays all the time. He's a full-time tour in the world playing golf. It seems unfair. Um, So we're going to dip into a little bit of Greg's prep for tour events and how he's prepped over his life, which should be fun, and hopefully share some ideas that you can take to the tee and before you even get to the tee to make sure when you get out there playing even if you don't get to play that often during the week you know you won't you enjoy your weekend games a bit more some good ideas some good solid prep for your golf welcome guys um Greg, we're going to come to you in a second about uh, some prep ideas, but Lou, I know you cause where you live. You don't play for a few months, do you? Like it closes down in Philadelphia area due to poor weather. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, it, gets, kind of it
0: gets cold here in the Northeast. I mean, we have the occasional yeah. warm day where you can get out and yeah. play, but you know, typically most years, you know, November, uh, sometime in November, it, it it just gets too cold to uh, to play anymore. Um, and that usually shuts down through the middle of March, typically right around in there. So we, you know, we, we probably four months out of the year where we don't really have much golf, which I, I lived down South for a while and I loved the longer golf season. Um, yeah. it, where I lived, it definitely got a lot warmer in the summertime. And so there were, there were times in the summer where it, it would be, you know 97 98 degrees and very humid and it was i didn't want to go play it was just too hot to play um you could you you try to get out at 6 a.m for an early morning tea time and play in three hours and be done before it got too unbearable but there were you know there were times when i lived in in the south where the summertime you know playing wasn't too much of an option Uh, but i do i do dread the winter months and not being able to get out and play for four straight months uh, so I, I wish i lived down in in, uh, in
1: texas with greg well i say that it still gets quite cold in texas when i was there we had one day was literally brass monkey stuff it was so cold but a little when nasty, you were the, yeah. yeah when you're at the height of your competitive play greg which i presume you would to a certain extent move your life around trying to have your you know the golf as the priority was there an off season and did you chase the sun did you go places it was just where you lived it was like where were you living at the time when you were at the height you know when you were top 50 player in the world kind of stuff you know how did it work for you not having an off season, or did you just enjoy it? Because sometimes an off season's good, isn't it as well? If you're playing for yeah, time
2: like you were. Uh, and I'll be you know being brutally honest. I look back. I was thinking about this before uh, before we did brought this up today. I didn't really do an off season, you know, because we played in yeah. Australia. We'd finish here, and I'd go years where I'd played thirty-two to thirty-four times, multiple years in a row events. Um, I was, so you know, I, 32, 34 weeks of golf, basically, of golf yeah, saying, like it? tournaments yeah. a year. It was pretty common for me to play 32 minimum. Um, wow. and that was, you know, including three or four in Australia or two or three in Australia, um, and 29 or 30 over here. Um, I was young keen. Uh, and I probably went for quantity over quality. I really look yeah. back now and think, dude, you should have embraced the idea of an off season. You should have. Cause I really love the concept. It makes sense to stop and reset and, and, and make some changes and, and, and reassess and move forward. I was in this sort of um, mouse wheel the whole time and, and just spat out at the end, took two, three weeks off and jumping back in a plane to Hawaii. I would get back from Australia December 19th or 15th and then I'd be on a plane to Hawaii on January 7th. You know, So yeah. it, it was just not enough time to just reassess and, and take a breath. Uh, now I do do that. I've got a 2 year like I'll turn 50 in next Octo- October in a year and a half uh 220 for whatever it is 23 um, yeah. and so I got a plan I got some ideas that I want to have improved by then I, uh, you know and I and, and the tournaments I play now I prepare in with that in mind um, yeah. and, and I'm enjoying my golf a lot more because of that um, it's sort yeah, of like I'm yeah. using the events to get ready for downer on even though I've played nicely sometimes when I play now so um, but I got a bigger picture in mind
1: yeah, and then let's talk about then your prep now because I would argue that your prep now is probably more similar to the average golfer in the sense that when you were at your height, you were doing that kind of on steroids golf that I I would equate that to what we would do as juniors a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just mm-hmm. kind like, of just playing and playing and playing and playing and playing in anything you can and everything you can. Where now you have different commitments, you coach, you're obviously enjoying being at home with your family a bit more and you're playing in selected events. Um, So you played an event last week, which you did really well in, and you obviously played had some pretty solid golf and a decent finish. What would you prep now, knowing that you're going and saying, let's pretend you haven't played for three weeks in an event or four weeks in an event Going into an event, what does your prep consist of? Are there certain tick boxes you want to see going into that event, or do you just go and play and see what happens? Like, like an amateur would, do I just turn no, up at the weekend no, and see I, what happens, or do I go to a range and see if my driver's cut in and see if my irons I can strike? Like, what's your prep now?
2: Yeah, so I on the physical side, I look at it, I break it down, and I say on the physical side, I never stop doing that. That's uh, minimum four days to five days a week. I'm in the gym three mornings a week and that is essentially mobility, stability, power, strength, uh, and speed. And I'm trying to maintain speed as I get older and slow down the slowdown that we all have Uh, because I'd like to get to 50 and not be even slower than I was, and I've actually picked up speed doing that. So that's cool. I've got that plan in place, and I continue that. Um, From the game management side, like right now, I probably won't play a tournament, looks like, for a couple of weeks. I might get in a tournament two weeks after the U.S. Masters. Uh, So we've got a month where I'm home. I will shelve the clubs for a couple of weeks. And then I do a thing called 50, what I just go 50, 50, 50, and it's 50 balls and it's all technique and and feel based and, and things that I need in my take. It's 50 full shots, 50 chips and 50 putts, And then I'll just do that. And I go for quality, really high quality stuff, really focused, take my time, um, really concentrating on the technique that I want to get right. And the feels I want to get to get what I get. And then I assess how that was at the end of the the session only takes me couple of hours, right. Yeah. To punch that out two, three hours. Then I can teach on the side. And as I get closer and closer to the event, let's say, you know, that starts in the two weeks out, I might do that for the first five, six days. And then as the event rolls around, okay, pick one thing I can focus on. Let's go play golf. That's my feel. That's what I go back to when I'm struggling and, and I, and it's real rhythm based stuff for me. You find it as a player, what you feel. Um, and I pick one feel that I have in my technique that have worked. And some of them I've been using for years. And I go yep. play, let's go play some competitive stuff and go see what we got and then night assess night. that and then come back and then jump on a plane and go to the event. Hopefully with a bit of touch, feel, rhythm, um, you know, I need to be good with my wedges. I need to be good with my short game. I can't beat you with my driving, my own play. So I got to maintain those. So I, I have it all kind of planned out in my head and I just kind of punch out some quality. Sorry. It's a well, long winded you... answer, but yeah.
1: No, no that's a good answer and i like that are you saying a lot of good things there when you say quality and this is something i've worked at driving ranges that you see like people go and the quality of their practice is not as good as it could be and lots of people listening to the pod you know they go to the ranger they don't really know what to do they go and smash some drivers because last time they played their driver wasn't that good and that's all great but i think well what's your intent like what are you are you just going mm-hmm. hoping it's better like what what triggers and thoughts these are words that you're using which i agree with like if i've got a shot that i can't play i would go to a range and practice with thoughts to try and stop those issues happening so if it was a shaper shot it would be do i change my grip do i have a swing thought change like what are those things now when you say quality with your practice do you mean you're literally you know you would like hit a shot, step away, practice swing. You're not just going to hit a ball, pull another one across, hit a ball. You know, is is it that kind of quality you mean in your 50-50-50? Are you, like, applying more of a real concentrated mind to each shot, or is it more that you're just ripping them off, like... I-
2: No, how does that quality I, look? so what I do is I, I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an old dude now, so I'm not really making any technical changes. I'm checking yeah. alignment, like real basic alignment. I just put my alignment aids down, mirror from, check my shoulders. They have, you got to know your tendencies a little bit. I tend to get a little open with my shoulders. So um, I just make sure they're square. Once I get everything lined up how I want, if I hit 15, 20 balls out of my 50 on my full swing side, and I'm happy with contact and delivery, uh, I then start to go into Low cut, high draw, different ball okay. flights that I'm going to need. Um, yep. My stock shot is a draw. So I want to manage that make sure it's not turning beyond the target. So I will hit t- two targets that I a flag that I pick, but not cross over onto the short side because so many of our targets on the PGA tour are three and four from the edge. So yeah, sure. That I sort of adjust that and make sure I'm picking a target that I like looking at. Um, yeah. And so, and then I do throw in a fade or two, even though I rarely use it when I play. Um, you know, I just trying to, try to maintain that, you know, movement of the club, not getting too inside, which is my tendency. So um, I do hit a few fades, but a lot of it is just full routine, practicing, you know, really focused, relaxed, um, and things that I need to work on because I get kind of busy minded and thinking too yeah. much. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm really working on just being relaxed and chill. And, you know, I have an image of, I'll never get to this, but I have an image of someone like Dustin, you know, who just looks like, <clears throat> is there golf on today? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I I get I get more like, oh, come on, let's go. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how I and I, fifty balls, and I just done, and I and, and I feel good about my yourself. practice. Yeah, so yeah. I feel good about my practice, and I'm done. Right, and then go part, and I've got technique stuff that I do there for path of the club, and then I'll go have a putting con with my mate. Right, we play eighteen holes or something, and then a yeah. uh, drawbacks or just real simple five dollar, ten dollar games or something. And then go chipping comp. I just did a pitching comp with a kid yesterday. You know, I, I get Greg. I get these young kids and I compete against them when I want to get close to playing. Uh, that's really good practice.
1: Yeah, um, it sharpens you up and it sharpens it your mind up, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it makes you yeah. feel a bit of a tingle that you might get. Because really all yeah. the things that Greg is saying there is he's basically trying to remind himself of what things will. So when he gets on the course, he's got some, he's got some kind of visual and mental cues of what it feels like to hit that fade because if you don't practice that fade you might not hit one for four months because you don't get in a situation that demands it but then you go and get in a situation demands it and you haven't hit those few Mm phases that you've hit in those practice sessions you're going to think i haven't hit one of these for a few months i wonder where it will go how much will it curve i wonder where it'll start um and that's the thing i see with everyday golfers is i see them go to the range and they don't practice enough any of the variation that I know that they're going to get when they get on the course and the variation that I see them have when they come for a lesson with me I just think you're trying to hit perfection in your practice where that's something you're never gonna hit because you play off 15 handicap you practice once a week if you're lucky and you play once a week or every two weeks so let's forget Um, perfection and why don't we kind of monitor what you produce and uh, then get the best out of that because one of the things you said there and I'm going to bring you in here Lou which I think is a really good point is one of the big things you notice with good players when they're practicing over your average golfer is the level of monitoring of the shots that they're doing and I mean the level of monitoring in their mind because they're generally not writing it down some might is really high quality so to give you an example um i can teach amateur after amateur and i'll say what's your bad shot and they often can't answer me the amount of lessons that come into the lesson t and go i say you know what what's your bad shot where, where does it go when it goes wrong and they say oh it goes a bit left goes a bit right goes a bit everywhere and then they hit shots and it blatantly doesn't everything just cuts or everything just draws or whatever it does and i think when they're practicing, like what are they watching? Like they're not monitoring. Where if I was to say to Greg after his 50 balls, how did that go? What were any of the patterns? He could probably bore me for two hours telling me the intricacies of, well, when it was on a slightly flatter lie, you know, I hit it a bit <laughs> out of my own divot, which you do on a practice area. I catch him a bit thin, and that annoys me because we get some really tight lies. So I want to, you know, he would go into the higher levels of detail. So what do you think, Lou, as your average golfer, like the mates you play with, the monitoring could improve, and I think it would help golfers understand their games a bit more and maybe play a bit better. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I think uh, people practice very poorly for the most part, Um, and most people don't have an objective. They don't have a plan. They don't know what to do. And you go on a driving range and you see most people just, raking over seven iron after seven iron after seven iron, um, with no intention on what they're trying to do. Um, and they're not, in my opinion, they're just exercising at that point. They'd be better off just staying home and working on strength and mobility in the gym than, than smashing, uh, a 175 extra large bucket of balls, um, yeah, in yeah. 45 minutes, which some people do. Um, so all the things Greg said, um, I think are uh, great lessons for people at home and understanding how to practice. I've gone down a rabbit hole on motor learning and how we practice. We had, we had a guy in here a few months ago, Dr. Rob Gray, who wrote a, wrote a book uh, on it not too long ago that came out. And uh, I'm a huge proponent of those styles of practicing. So in a nutshell, you know, not doing the same thing over and over again. Um, so always mixing things up gamifying it so i'm curious greg when you do your 50 balls do you do you play any kind of games with those 50 balls do you keep score do you keep track um and then you know kind of repeat some of those things over and over again do you do that
2: yeah i have done and i i tend to as i get closer to the event i definitely err more towards um shots and you know changing clubs every ball you know, like driver, then a seven nine or driver and a wedge. Yeah. I, I do do a lot of driver wedges, you know, because I want to be able to switch between a short shot and a, in a big swing, you know, like I want to be out. Cause to me, the, the golf swing has kind of evolved into, it's almost like we, you know, we just have two different swings now almost. We smash the driver if we can, and we hit that little wedge if we can. So I want to be able to move between those two worlds pretty comfortably. So I do, even when I warm up before I play, i make sure I do that with my driver, I go driver, then wedge, driver, then wedge, you know, so, um, and it may only be six or eight you know, of each, but you just get into that nice sort of rhythm and, and uh, get good feedback on, on what you're capable of in that day. Um, and if you don't have it, the job is to get to the house, you know, and with the yeah. lowest score you can, you take what you can and, you know, find a, I have a, I have a set, what I call my, my, co- my mental coach, Neil Smith, he calls it a second serve, which is for some people might be a three wood off the tee, or it could be a tee down driver that cuts. So, you know, put your second serve in play if you're not comfortable. Um it's it takes a bit of self awareness it just takes a, a little bit and a little bit of practice um I used the second serve I was in Dominican Republic last week I tee down and cut it uh four times that week there was one particular tee shot I really hated uh yeah. so I tee down cut the thing got it in play and moved on yeah. um yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time you know people go go ahead
0: Yeah you um go, no finish your thought because I, I No I'm good just going. Yeah, so you you said something that I've started to do a little while ago That that's uh, amazing for me. Um, I have a, a Bushnell Launch Pro, which is uh, like a GC3. So Mark uses a GC quad, below that is a GC3. I have the same exact device as a GC3. It's just made by Bushnell. And in there, um, you can set up uh, skills challenges, combines, if you want to think of them yeah. that way. And I have combines that I've set up and, and I have one that I do, or or a style of one that I do a lot now. And that's where I hit two partial wedge shots in a row. So I'll hit a a 60 yard shot um, with a 60 degree, and then I'll hit an 80 yard shot with a 56 degree, and then I'll hit driver. And what for me, um, I can get really, really fast at the top. When I take those partial wedge shots, my tempo and my transition is so smooth. And what is happening um there's a couple things that's that's happening for me is my transition when i go from partial wedge partial wedge to driver so much better it's so much better on those driver swings um and i'm trying to bring my angle of attack down with driver Um, and I'm trying to get my angle of attack a little bit steeper with my irons. Like I get a little too flat you know, I'll want to get a seven iron at like four, four and a half, five degrees down somewhere in there. And I'll start to sneak down to like two down with a seven iron, which, you know, I wanted to be a little bit more than that. And uh, I have no problem with, you know, bringing these partial wedge shots in at like six or seven down, no problem at all. And what happens for me is I hit the partial wedge, partial wedge, and the feel of the transition as well as that angle of attack transitions over uh, to those other clubs for me. And, and so for me, like it's really cool to hear you say that you hit a lot of balls that way. Um, and I know you do it for probably a different purpose than me, but it, it's been something that has been, you know, has had a remarkable impact on my swing over the last uh, probably six weeks now What would you like the power to do mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america N.A. member fdse
1: yeah and, and for me i like people who are, if you're not getting to play that much and we're just coming out of the winter break and you want to get playing i do like to see people at the range practicing the shots they're not so good at it's so easy to go to the range and just hit the shots that you're good at and feel great so, for instance, if I go to a range and I'm so I'm playing uh, in two days' time, I'm traveling to a country. And I have I've played two rounds of golf this year, basically in, at your place, Greg, and another place in Dallas. A um, little bit of filming, two or three holes on a golf course around here with clubs, but that's not playing. Like that's just hitting shots and talking to camera, basically. Um, <clears throat> there are certain shots I'll just hit before I play, and they're not particularly ones that I I love or 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 hate, but I need to know how those clubs are going to perform. So, for instance, I have two hybrids and they don't shape the both the same ways. One of them tends to cut a bit more. One of them is pretty neutral to a little draw. And I will make sure I hit them before I play to see if those shapes are happening. And if they are off a go, I play them. If they're not, I tend not to fight those shapes. I just then take those shapes to the Mm -hmm. course. So if my one that draws is fading a little, when I get on that course, I now know I'm going to aim up the left side. I'm not, I haven't got time to fight that club i haven't got time to go into Mm -hmm. the the bay and fix anything often i'm lucky enough to have a swing fort to be able to move it around because i can move it but most of the times i'll just play those shapes and anyone who watches the playing videos that we do what's so funny is you see us doing it on the course people often don't see this in our videos because they're just listening to us mucking around and having a laugh but what's happening is on about the sixth fall you will hear me or matt go well the last three six iron to eight irons of it have all missed left so i'm aiming this one up the right now we're not trying to fix anything on the course we're just thinking right our irons are pulling a bit today i've missed two or three greens up the left on this next one i'm going to aim right at that pin and the amount of students i get who say to me well that's not right you're not meant to do that are you because you're meant to aim you know at your target no no You're meant to get round in the least amount of Mm schools. I'll go to the range if I've got time and fix that issue. But I will definitely, as soon as I spot any pattern on the course or warming up before I play, I'm going to play that pattern just constantly. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a pattern I don't like to see, I'm going to play that pattern. Greg, is you know, is that similar when you're like just, you just, teeing it up at four events and thinking, bloody yeah, my driver's not drawing much today? And then the yeah, you're singing, you're
2: singing my tune, mate. Like last, that happened to me last week. I've, I'm working yeah. really hard, and a long-term goal is to be able to launch a driver a little higher than what I do. And in practice, it's wonderful. On the range, it's wonderful, and the feeling is just a, and a hair different uh, through impact than what I'm used to. And and I, I thought, you know, Sunday last week, what a, what not a better time to bring that into play? And I snap-hooked the first one, nearly lost the ball, right. Yeah, yeah. Didn't fight it after that. Just went back to my old feeling speed past the ball, a little flatter ball flight, drove it great. Right. Yeah. So there's part of me. I'm not sure sometimes if players just, they might keep fighting that and they're not self-aware enough to go, eh, we don't have that today. That's still work. that's a work in progress. Um, sure it's prettier and it goes further, but we just don't have that feel right now. We might have it in six months. We might have it next week. I don't know when, but right now yeah. I'm just not comfortable doing it. And some days it feels great. And I just ride that train, but I didn't fight it the other day. I just said, it ain't working today. Let's go. And I knew pretty quick. Um, Yeah,
1: definitely. And you've got to know quick. And that's the thing. The amount of students I've spent time with, or I say after a certain amount of time, and I say it politely, but I say it directly as well, because generally I'll have a relationship where we can talk openly. And I will say to them, at what point are you going to aim up the right? You know, at what point have you... Missing left every time, are you going to aim at the right? Because I can't watch you miss another one left. Like, if you were missing left and right, I would also stand on this tee and hold my finger up to the wind when you ask me where I'm going to read it. I would say, I have no idea where you're going to read it because one went left and the other one goes right. So, Les, we're going to need more data. But you keep it in everything right or left. At what point are you going to aim for that? Because I tell you now, I'm going to do that within two or three shots as quick as I can on a golf course. And this is where good practice and monitoring comes in and something that for people who are getting back out there, if you go to the range with your set, like a wedge, a seven iron, and your driver, you can find some patterns with those clubs. And you might find that the seven iron pattern reflects a little bit to an eight iron and maybe a nine iron and possibly a six iron, depending on the loft of your six iron, but my six iron shapes, fractionally differently to my seven iron because i've got quite strong lofted iron so my basically my six iron is a five iron and so i'm getting into long irons now Um, I, I'm going to take much more of a varied range of clubs to that range. So I can basically work out those patterns as quick as I can. And if I'm playing on that day and I get a chance to hit balls before I play, I'm not just going to hit some drives, a 7-iron and a wedge. I am going to try and hit those hybrids because I know I'm going to hit them. I'm going to hit a 9-iron. I'm going to hit a 7-iron. You know, so I might jump away from the 8-iron and I might jump away from the 6-iron because the 7-iron reflects those patterns. But when I get wood driver, my two hybrids, I need to know what shape I'm hitting with them on that day two or three and they shape how i'm expecting cool put them away i'm ready to go but you start getting a few of it oh look that's definitely cutting a bit more than normal i am in no position teeing off in 20 minutes to start doing swing changes i am just right there's that pattern mm-hmm. if i aim up the left there it is off i go and that's that awareness that amateurs i think just could really improve on that would help them start their season a bit quicker i i, I feel lou do you think that's fair I think that's
0: fair. Another thing I wanted to mention, I think it's really important for amateurs. I I think us amateurs, we can, uh, we can tend to some of us anyway, struggle with low point. Um, And when you are like me and you're hitting off of mats for three and a half to four straight months, and you're not on the grass, that problem can be magnified because that mat will mask the issue So I think it's extremely important uh, if you're like me and you are not able to get on a golf course for multiple months at a time where you're doing something where you are, you know, you're, you're working on or you're at least understanding what your low point control is. And so there's a number of training aids and devices out there that can help you out with that. I think that's extremely, extremely important because you know, I, I've always struggled sometimes um, with that transition from mats to grass, especially here in the Northeast. Um, you know, you come out in the each round I've played so far, the course is just absolutely saturated which just is even tougher to you know control your low point when it's like a sponge out there and if you've been hitting an inch plus behind the ball for four straight months and don't realize it because the club just bounces in into the ball and everything seems fine you're going to be in for a rude awakening when you uh, when you get on the turf and you know I played played uh, two rounds so far this year an 18 hole round and a nine hole round and uh, i've hit some shots that were they were um they were were way (laughs) behind the ball (laughs) what just happened there but you make a great
1: point you make a great point people don't understand the transition from mats to grass it is it's i mean basically like so just On a basic level, wedges spin as a general rule, loads more on mats, loads less on grass. So instantly you're going to get a different flight, different um, distances out of those subject to obviously where they're striking on the face and what gets caught between the face and the ball. Um, Long or medium irons generally on the grass, they will tend to spin more on the grass. And a lot less on the mat because you can get it higher up on the face on the mat with a medium iron where on the grass you'll generally get it nearer the bottom if it's certainly any of the grass like I played that you had there in Mm. Texas which was dormant this time Mm. of year or the time of year I went where it's like super thin that's a completely different ball flight now just through the spin model alone and that is before you take into account the great point that Lou is making where the mat just masks strike massively like it really does so if you can get a chance of taking what you're practicing out onto a range and again finding those patterns as quick as possible I mean a grass range actually hitting some balls off some grass or even going and play four holes and just putting some balls on the floor the day and night before you play and just, you know, hit a few hybrids or and hit a few long irons or hit a few... Just ...compared to the mat, because it, it's, it is, it's much bigger difference than people realise. It, it's hilarious. I mean, I've done tests on grass and mats, and it's funny because people want it to all be the same. They want right. it to be oh it spins more from here and no they actually are different they're they're not they're, depending on the loft you're hitting it, it, it's 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 very very different. Um, Greg, and that's longest, I, I notice. Go what's on, the look. longest
0: you've gone without um, playing on grass? I mean, I go typically four months every year. You you, it's nowhere. It's he nowhere plays.
1: is the place he's at. Super yeah. posh. Never, never, they never, they didn't weak. even. He doesn't even know what a mat is. <laughs>
2: Yeah, He's listening to us
1: talking about mats. He's thinking, I don't know what they're on about.
2: <laughs> what are these things you speak of? Uh, <laughs> Australia,
1: it doesn't rain, so they don't need no. any mats there.
2: <laughs> I hate mats. Can't stand yeah. them. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I totally get it. I, I'm not a fan of mats at all. But, yeah, I, I, I used to be, I was actually a member of the club here in town prior to where I am now. And it was three days a week was mats. And I'd just go chip and part and go home um i'll go play golf i I just wouldn't i just hated mats that much it's just i just don't like the feedback at all it's not great for your wrists you know Uh, it's not for me i've got problems there so i I just kind of avoid it if i can but yeah Yeah. it's interesting though mark i didn't know some of that stuff Uh, that's pretty cool that stuff because i just kind of hit my shot you know look up and go and my half the time the balls aren't what the ball i use anyway so you know what i mean those different spin rates is pretty cool
1: Well, I can hear from my mat, which is a really good quality mat. We've got the mats they've got at the Wentworth Indoor Range. I can get seven irons carrying 190 yards, but they're spinning down at 4,000, 5,000 reps. I can't carry a seven iron 190 off a decent lie on a fairway that's now dropping down to one seven five to one eight five at the, at the top end um so if i know and I, I i know this so i can translate it but lots of people will be on ranges and they'll hit their seven iron and it'll be hitting that 150 marker or the 160 or the 200 marker depending on how strong they are And then they'll go on the course and wonder why they're always coming up short. I mean, I've seen the shot scope data. People are up Mm. short. And Lou, you've got the ARCOS data. People come up short a lot. There's many reasons for that, obviously. There's clubbing issues, not understanding slope. There's obviously strike is probably the biggest reason. And strike is what's going to affect not only ball speeds, but it affects your spin rate. Um, Matt, so a little bit like semi rough, Greg, basically, unless you've got a wedge and then they're like the best toothbrush Mm. you've ever been on. (laughs) So your wedges, it goes up, but your mid-irons, it drops like a thousand revs. It can be down, which is massive for distance overall.
0: Luke, Greg, are you going to do anything different? So you said, um, you turn 50 next year. Um, Mm -hmm. and which I'm surprised by that. I thought you were way older than that. Um, Thank you, Luke. <laughs> um, Thank you, Luke. Stat hole. As you as yeah. you prepare, uh, so he is i on fire gonna, tonight. Are eh. you going to do anything different um, to prep for uh, Champions Tour? Like, are you going to are you going to keep kind of the same approach, or are you going to change things up as you start to get ready for a, you know a run on the Champions Tour?
2: So, from a uh, from a movement power standpoint, I'm on on a good track you know i've generally I, I went to my trainer i was 109 miles an hour club at speed i now consistently 115 117 in that range oh, that's good and that, that was track tra- man is that track that's man great. yeah awesome. it's track man and and you know maxed out at like i hit 120 and of course that's the one i posted um to social yeah, yeah. media um but i can't hit that in uh <laughs> in real in life tournament I,
1: play, yeah. but
2: that's that's my overspeed training in in real life i Love do. It like 115 so, and so I can Brilliant. carry two I went from carrying at 265 270 to 290 pretty comfortably yeah. um great. now and I'm I'm going back to venues now and I'm loving life like I was in Dominican last week and I can reach par fives I couldn't reach before yeah. bunkers Brilliant. that were in play aren't in play so but to answer your question it's the equipment
1: what I, Greg it's the equipment
2: here we go <laughs> um but, but but to answer your question though one of my plans that I, that is to one of my biggest weaknesses is just manage. I'm doing some Euro feedback through, I use focus band and I don't yeah. really care what you use. Find something you like that helps you get into a state that helps you hit good shots. Um, and my caddy actually called me on it last week. I was in a process of basically, I started to panic for want of a bit of term, coming down the stretch to make. I'd never made the cup here. And I knew that, right. Been there six times and missed the cut every time. I bogeyed 10 on Friday and he, I started to walk faster and I was rushing. And he said to me, dude, didn't we just do some focus band stuff on Wednesday? Let's just get back to that state. And that's what I did the last seven holes and played great. And that was great advice. He's the first caddy ever to do it. Thank you very much, Crispy. Um, but that that helped me just get to the state I'm after, which is just a little more calm and a little more. We, I'm, I'm a bit of a duck on the water, you know, like yeah, legs are going yeah, a bit fast yeah. underneath there, right? So that's yeah. the stuff I'm my goal is to be better at that by the time I'm 50. The ball striking and the putting and the chipping, I'm I'll maintain but to be better at that side of the game is what I'm after.
0: That's great. So um, did you, do you have the uh, focus band hat? I see that that's coming out soon. Did, do you have one yet?
2: Well, unfortunately I have a ridiculously large head, so (laughs) the hat doesn't fit me. So I've got just the band at the moment. And it's going to be
0: really interesting. um, You know, once that technology continues to, you know, advance. Um, I, you would, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the rules all that well, but people wear whoops on the golf course. Why in heart rate monitors, why wouldn't you be allowed to wear one of uh, one of those things when you're playing? Um, you could technically wear one of those things while you're playing, understand what your brainwave frequency is because I've never used one. I've looked at their product, but it, it, it the app essentially gives you and it tells you the state that you're in, right. Alpha, theta brainwaves and, mm-hmm. What, what's more mm-hmm. dominant, um, you're going to be able to you use can't, that while you're playing. You can't use an
1: app. You can't use an app while no, you're no, playing. But you would be able to no. go
0: back afterwards and yeah. figure out when yeah. you hit a golf shot and see what yeah. your yeah. state was. Like, you're going to be able to do yeah. that at some point soon. Yeah. Have you ever learned yeah, while right. you're playing?
2: It, it, oh, yeah. Oh, not yeah. in the tournament. Not in the tournament. Right. Um, I've seen, you know, you, you, I see the the changes in state. It's really interesting because, you know, you're receiving that feedback from your eyes. It's really interesting not to get too deep into it. I was on the 12th tee at Riviera. And when I stood on the left side of the tee, on the right side of the tee, I was looking at the out-of-bounds, it's out-of-bounds all down the left. And it, my, my state was just out of control and, and it, I couldn't calm down. I hated that tee shot for years. I moved far over to the left and I was looking now a different angle if per se, but looking more at a different side. And a, the shot shape sort of felt more comfortable and I calmed down a little bit. Right. Mm. And, and we got that feedback and it was really cool. So that's what I did. And that's what I do now when I'm, I, I walk on the team practice rounds and look on what do I feel when I get on this side of the T and what do I feel when I get on this side of the T and it gives me a different look and a different feeling per se. Um, but yeah, it's going to yeah. be really cool as we get better and better at it, mate. And the technology improves and you're going to see have they to have access at the end of your day, where you can get that feedback and tell you, here's, here's the state you're in and here's what you, what happened. Um, you're only going to get better and better golfers out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And it's, that leads me on to my last point, which is interesting with this idea. So, you know, for lots of people, they can't get out and practice as much as they want weather wise, or even in the summer, there's so much you can do off the course to allow you to, when you get on the course, try and enjoy yourself a little bit more. I mean, Greg mentioned one at the start, the physical aspect is something so many people listening to this pod, could improve um and i know it all sounds a little bit like too much work for lots of people but just keeping yourself a little bit fitter and stronger you won't have such a regression in your ball speed stroke distance as you age you might not ache so much when you go out and play because if you haven't played very much over the winter months and you go out and play your body might ache the next day you know that is something that will it'll happen to me it happens to all of us um you know certainly if you're a bit older and it's something that you can cheat you know by being more physical in those months where you can't get on the course and get on the range and i was a great i don't know if you did this much greg i used to practice loads off course and i've said this in other pods you know i, I would constantly be using reflections if i was looking at certain wrist angles i would be doing that you no know, club in my hand in reflections the amount i mean i've seen studies on people who it was shooting hoops it was shooting basketball hoops in america and there was I think there was three groups of people I saw and they were people who didn't, they just mimicked the uh, shooting the hoop. There were people who practiced every day and then there was a group of people who didn't practice any. You know, they just they sustained whatever they had done doing the test. Uh, you know, and they tested people and tested them again in the next period of time. And the people who made the biggest improvements were the people who were mimicking the um the the action even more than the people who were doing the action or i think they might have even been on a par and it's something i definitely did a lot as a when i was a keen player i did a lot of practice swing thoughts ideas off the course um i know lou's lucky enough to be able to swing in his garage and what have you which does help as well but Even just some visualizing holes and visualizing situations, reliving situations and thinking about how I felt in those situations. And if that could improve where I let myself down, because there was always events where you kind of maybe gave up a bit quicker than you should have or got angrier than you should have. Certainly for me, there would have been. So I think just lots of reliving what you enjoy out of golf and what you want out of it in that, in that downtime can be really valuable improving your physical side, but, and even doing that off course practice is that,
2: that's obviously something that
1: you, I reckon you do do and have done Greg, isn't it? I mean, you do oh, stuff
2: already. Oh, absolutely. Look, and if I was going to recommend anything to anyone and I'm not, you know, not a paid endorsement, I've been, I've got arthritis in five joints in my spine and I got introduced yeah. to what's called functional range conditioning, which is joint mobility and end range joint strength um yeah. it is phenomenal it's been just a, a lifesaver for me um their mm-hmm. other product is called kin stretch you can find them on instagram find someone who teaches that and does that it's really cool um with yeah. the practice at home i i remember going through a change in my setup i changed coaches i went to see colin swatney he, he had a different setup to my previous coach i would just sit in a room um i had a full-length mirror i put a bit of tape down the mirror straight down the middle yeah. And, and looked at the lines at what he wanted. And I would practice, just walk in with a club, no ball, just walk in the club, set up. And I would practice just the intricate movement of where am I going to put my feet? Am I going to start them here or there? And just how to get into the ball set up correctly. And I go rinse and repeat. And I just punch out 50 of those. And, yeah, and yeah. I mean, if you're doing that, you know, uh, me, I'm trying to do it for a job. But if you're an amateur and you punch out that once or twice a week, you're going to get better. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, and and it's not, it doesn't. You don't need to be hitting balls if you want to practice your takeaway move. You can do it with a mirror, and you're, you know, you're just, you're just adding in like you're you're baking a cake. You're putting good ingredients in there. It's it's just a cool way to. um, You don't have to be out there grinding all day. You're actually just practicing good movement.
1: Yeah, and I used to say that to students when it came to grip changes. You get some students where grip change is literally like trying to get them to grow a second head. You know, like they just will not move the hands because it feels uncomfortable and what have you. And you can see their grip is totally deteriorating their game. You know, it's, it's it's excessive one way, and they hit an excessive shot with it. And you just think if we could just get that shot out of you, you would be average. and average is a fun place to be in golf. Um, and I used to say to them, I to said to them, if your life depended on you doing this, so this isn't like fun, and I want you to do this if your life depended on you coming back in a month's time and that grip being in a position you would not hit a ball in that month you would literally just pick a club up every day for as long as you could putting the club in that position and moving it around to the point where you wouldn't even really remember what the old feeling feels like it's sometimes hitting the ball that takes away from the task because when you put the ball there the task is now focused on target and the way you So this student has worked out how to hit target. You could argue is not that functional. So you're wrong. The way you've worked it out is wrong. But the trouble is you'll keep regressing to that because you think it feels right. Mm. So breaking those habits is sometimes and it's it's something I think lockdown taught a lot of people. It certainly taught me. I started a lot of new things in lockdowns when we were confined to our houses. I started my fitness training and I've gained speed. I started two podcasts. I had my own one and then we did this one just out of lockdown or kind of maybe even in it, it might've been, it was in and out of it. Um, Sometimes that off season can be a chance for bigger opportunities, even though it feels like there's less opportunity for the people who do want to improve. You, you do have more time to maybe sit back and think, well, I do get angry on the golf course. How can I sort that out so I enjoy it more? Oh, I do struggle from a massive snap hook, and they do keep saying my grip's rubbish. So I'm going to go for a lesson before the winter kicks in, and then I'm just going to do off-course training to try and calm that down and see if that helps me coming back into the season. So I do think there's opportunities in every, what feels like a non-opportunity. You've just got to be hungry enough to find them a little bit sometimes. It's right, right. Easy to and to and- get out there and just want to hit balls, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And I think to you, what you don't want and what I don't want, I don't want to get to a year's time or 18 months time. And like, I haven't done anything, you know, and now granted it's my job, but like, I, I think as a golfer, there's a lot of amateurs. I'm like, dude, you just had an off season. Let's make a 1% improvement here or small improvement. that We can incrementally next year. We'll build into something else. Then you'll get better and better and better. Um, I think the hardest part for golfers is sometimes they just don't see the results straight away and they don't want to play the long game. Right. Yeah, they, they want it, they oh, want an instant the instant fix. Yeah. I've got a lot of that going on in teaching right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look uh, at club so-
1: sales. That's how club sales are based on instant fixes. Yeah. Even though everyone mm. regresses to their mean, they go and hit it ten yards further in a fit and then they think they hit it ten yards further. And what's the most mm. common thing with new clubs that people say, I hit it well in the fit, and I get it on the course and it goes the same distance? Mm. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Oh, you've mm-hmm. just thrown eight heads out of 10. That's all you've done, bro. It hasn't any So, yeah, I, I do think there's more opportunity than people think. And obviously there's plenty of people listening who don't want those opportunities. They just want to go and, you know, it's casual golf and whatever. And that's cool. But the people who do want to improve, I think there's definitely opportunities in down times. Um, Lou, how? just the last point on this. How, how was your first game back? Because I know you practice hard and you've been having lessons and, you don't really have an off season. I reckon you practice more than
2: Greg. I don't
1: know if I practice
0: more than Greg. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> he does. He so does. Uh, I, I think I saw be... a tweet about
2: this. I think Lou was pretty happy with his first game out. I was pretty was happy
0: he? when I
1: came hmm. back. Yeah, I put. Uh, did you keep put... score, or was it match play, or how does it work for your games? Yeah, I kept score.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh,
1: what, what do you what call that you metal play over where you are? Yeah, we'd call mm. it metal. What metal did you play, did you yeah. shoot? Seventy-eight.
0: Yeah. I shot 78. seventy-eight.
1: What's the par? So
0: Seventy. So it was plus eight. Eight um, over. That's decent. Nice. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, I a is that gimmies of,
1: uh... or you tap in everything in?
0: Oh, I finish everything out. I typically. Yes, you do. I typically finish everything out. <laughs> Silly question.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Even I, when they're given, he's still. I'm on the next D. Still bloody lying. <laughs> up he's, still,
2: he's still got his. Hang on, I got to look at my chart. <laughs> <Plung bobbin laughs> measuring is, it yeah.
1: don't measure it Lou I'm giving it no sorry sorry feet anyway,
0: uh, so I hit the ball decently I can't complain a couple of uh you know a couple of uh, loose swings a uh, couple of sketchy swings with the driver and then um, right. I played a nine hole round and and was uh 39 for that four over and played cool. pretty well hit the ball really well um had one hole that was yeah you know wasn't great, but uh, pretty, pretty happy out of the gate. So So,
1: yeah. What does a sketchy driver look like talking about patterns and that earlier? What does the sketchy driver have a pattern for you? Is it a big block? or Yeah. my,
0: My sketchy driver, the face just gets slammed shut and it's just, it's quacking hard left, and it's Uh-oh. low when it goes curving nowhere. or just low left. Low left, it goes nowhere. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a, just a bad one. Um, but is I that sorry to
1: interrupt? Is is that is that a heel strike or is that a out the middle low left? That's not out an the out middle. the middle low. Yeah, it no, is. Is it
0: typically out out of the middle low left? Yeah, just um, yeah.
1: I don't know what face. what
0: happens, what goes on there. Club but, face
1: uh, incorrect. <laughs>
0: Cobb face is very incorrect in those, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the second round out was good. Um, and uh, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a good start. And the conditions were really challenging. I mean, both times I played, it was 15 to 20 mile an hour wins yes, consistently. That's story. Uh, and the court, the greens are just as bumpy as you could imagine. Um, so yeah. I putted great on the second uh, night, uh, the second round I played, but the greens were just, you know, it was just like playing plinko if you're familiar with yeah. what plinko. So is. in
2: in Dallas, we just look outside and go, "Yeah, we're not playing today." <laughs> 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 we do. Yeah. We have that luxury. Yeah. In one, Florida, once, they're like, "We're definitely not playing that day." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once the weather, yeah, once
0: yeah. It, once the weather turns, you, yeah, I, I try to get in as much as I can because yeah. you know, come October and November, it shuts down again, again. So yeah, gotta play yeah, as yeah. much yeah. as I can. I bet it's so, a big line.
1: Yeah, so your off-season practice has been good then, Lou. That's positive. You feel I like you've come I, out of the blocks. I, I feel have you know, like Lou has I've just so made... the listeners know that, yeah. you know, Lou has been... He's got... He can hit in his um, garage or his room. He's got a net at home and he's got his is um, Bushnell range for his Bushnell um, launch Launch monitor. So he can look at ball flight and simulate ball flights. And it's very accurate because it's basically an old GC2, but it's not, it's a GC3, but it's called a Bushnell thing. Um, So, you know, you, you, the work you've put in, you feel like you've had the rewards in those first few rounds, which is nice. That's a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it's
0: a, it's a great feeling. I mean, still, still have a long way to go to get back to where I want to get to. Um, And I've lost a lot of speed, which is frustrating. Um, because i'm making these big uh, movement pattern changes yeah Um, so the process is when i try to bring the speed speed back yeah uh, the The computer says no (laughs) the changes go away and the old swing comes back Um, so i can i still Mm. have the speed but if i want to if i want to not go back to the way i I used to do it i can't let that speed go up but it's it's coming back up a little bit but no, that's that's um that's really challenging. Um forces you... and
1: talks, Lou. Everyone's problem. Forces
2: yeah, and talks. Greg,
0: when you added all that speed, did anything change about your delivery or did it pretty much stay the same?
2: No, it definitely changes. And and yeah. I still haven't, even though I've got uh the move I make to get like super as fast as I can get, that that's a bigger I get like lead foot off the ground, big hip turn. Yeah. bigger turn up top and, and I generate speed through, you know, length of motion rather than talk. Uh, I still aren't not in a place. I am faster on the golf course, but I'm not in a place where I could do what I really want to do. That was the snap hook discussion I had off the first tee. I tried to do my big move off the first tee and sure enough, I snap hooked it and I'm like, we don't have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. I went back to my other field, which is not as big a turn. And it, it, the timing's a little different. Um, I want to get there distance- though
1: through length of swing is what you're saying. So further hand path, bigger shoulder turn is what you're feeling. Is it great? For, yes. Yeah. 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 Me just, personally.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I have an image. Lead foot uh, coming
1: up. Are you letting the lead oh, foot yeah. come up as oh, well? Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. So I instigated that about two years ago. I started to use that just for driver only. And now I'm sort of working on trying to implement that in my irons because it just takes the stress off my spine a little bit in the, in the lumbar, my arthritis, arthritic spine. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, that, that works really well in practice it's going really well i move better i turn through it better because i turn back better um yeah. and I'm, the timing of it's great in practice it, i just haven't been able to put it in play yet
1: yeah which you will that's the oh, more the over overspeed tra- over speed training is great the more you do it, if you can get practicing in it in 120s with any kind of frequency you'll gain 115 with ease 15 and feel normal. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, if I've, you can, if I've, you can overspeed at 125, you'll gain 120, basically.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Like, I, I've found that, um, whatever my peak is when I'm speed training, um, i my gaming speed is five to seven miles per hour below that, roughly. Yeah, you know, give or take. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's – you, are, are you going to try to get to gaming 118, 119 before Champions I'd,
2: I'd, I I'd I'm going to try and go wherever it goes. Um, yeah. My goal is just to – you know, I, I'd like to have a seven-year window, if I could, uh, to, to lengthen my chance of – because I'm not exempt on the Champions tour I have to qualify. So But yeah. it, there's still the, – the Mondays are doable and things like that. Monday qualifiers. If I have seven years a window where I'm still hitting it and healthy and, and hitting it at a decent length – Um, Then, then great. And and so I'm just trying to increase that as much as I can. And if I hit 118, 117, great. But I'm actually 115 is a good threshold. Once I get to that, I can carry it far enough where a lot of trouble is not out, you know, is out of play. I'll say the other (sighs) thing to the piece to this that I've introduced that I haven't done in my when I was younger and healthier. I walk out. If you have 10 gears on a bike, I walk out onto the range in about seventh or eighth gear. Now, I've already done a lot of stuff pre-round. To get my body ready and warmed up and moving and, and, and going before I roll onto that tee. I um, used to um, walk out a second gear and try and find eight gears when I got out. Yeah, room, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, and what's
1: interesting, are you the same? So, do you, I, I'm similar to that. So, I, when I go out to hit balls or test clubs, I am doing so much more warm up now with no club in my hand. I've Mm -hmm. got medicine balls, I've got kettlebells, I've got bands, I do a bit of running, so if I park my car, I'll run to the... Studio and run back, you know. I won't just walk. I'll think like I'm gonna like people see me and think I'm mental because I'm just running through the car park for their mind no reason. Where when I was younger, it would have just been right. I hit a few wedges. I saw a video the other day of I don't know who it was their their warm up routine. I think it was Lee <laughs> Westwood. I hit a few wedges I hit a few nine nines and I think well mm-hmm. for your average middle aged older guy. You can warm up mm-hmm. much better by actually not swinging a club, and then just start yeah. the club like you say in eighth gear by doing the stuff, the more like the stuff that Mike Carroll and the fitness guys will tell us to do, rather than the golf yeah. pros will tell us to do those cliches: hit <laughs> your wedges, it you know, know. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That is still a way of warming up, but certainly, I am getting my body ready prior to even getting to the course. I, it's Mike. It's you know, a different. It's box,
2: a, it's the difference between warming your body up and getting it ready to move yeah. faster and then warming up your golf swing, right? Yes. People people think totally. they're one and the same. I'm trying to get my body ready to move fast as I can. And so that yeah. requires a bit of movement and maybe some weights, some load, some bands, some stretching yeah. if you need that, some mobility stuff, and then walk out of there with a little bit of a light sweat going and go move. I mean, swing yeah. the golf club. And yeah. I just don't That's- want to walk on the range anymore. I can't do it feeling... Like, oh, now I've got to find my, and, my speed. Oh, yeah. oh can't do Zorable, it. I'd rather yeah. not go. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good point to finish on because it does reflect the off season. In that off season, you could be doing these things to your body to make sure when the season starts that you are in a, a better place than where you ended up physically. And then hopefully that will help you take your golf into a physically better place as well. Thanks, guys. As always, that was fun. Um, Lou's on fire, eh? Oh, we're going to have to get a game together this year, guys. I don't want to see Lou on fire. Are you right? strong, you know, he's burning it up, isn't he, out there. Straight yeah. out Seven, of the eight, blocks, eight. Lou, eh? I like <laughs> that. It's very good. I like to big him up, Greg, you see. You know, it's easier just to knock him over. When
2: he <laughs> oh, you got to be careful. You can't hide talent, Mark. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah sometimes you can't find it though that's the
1: problem <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah you can lose it but you can't either yeah. there you go thanks for listening everybody as always let us know what your routine is or do you just literally get out there and start whacking and then start playing on about the 15th fold quite well and wonder why you didn't play the front so well um let us know in the comments and uh, maybe leave some stars while you're down there as well as always thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next uh, podcast